Pray with me. Most gracious Heavenly Father, all our lives you have been faithful and you've been so, so good to us. As we open your words, your word now in these moments, give us ears to hear your truth that it would transform us into the image of your son, Jesus. And it's in his name and to his glory that we pray. Amen. Today we continue the sermon series, Boundaries, as we've been looking at how to to live with healthy biblical boundaries in relationships around us. And today we are going to spend a few moments looking at boundaries with friends. I believe that this message has the potential to make a significant impact in the life of some people who need to, to regain or to, to get back to or to initially establish some boundaries with some people in your life to help you live more Christ-like and in a better way with your friends. The term friend has evolved over the last few years. Several years ago, it might mean the, somebody that you, you do life with or you, you hang out with. But it, you know, with the advent of social media, you see now that, that a friend could be someone that you, you've never even met before. They send you a request. They could be on the other side of the world, and they're your friend. They say the average person on Facebook has about 328 friends. But as they began to survey people here recently, researchers found that most people would say that they have really only two really close friends in their lives. And this is down from, from six friends about 20 years ago. We're, we're, we're losing our connection with people. And there's, it, it, there's a, a stat that came out that shocked me that 25% of people would say that they have zero close friends. There's an there's an epidemic of loneliness out there in our world. People are, are living for likes and they're, they're longing for love. And so today we're going to look at boundaries with friends. And you might be here today and you say, you know what, all my friends are, are cool. I don't need this. You know, I, I, I've got great friends and I don't need this. And so as we, we go through this together, I want you to, if, if you've got good friends, uh, allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you. And maybe that some of this material could be uh, transferred over into other areas of your life, maybe in your marriage or with your, your children or something else. And so uh, allow God to speak to you and challenge you. And I, I, I'm going to ask you to ponder this. And this week is in your prayer time is to, to ask God, how can I shore up some boundaries? boundaries in my life that I need to, to set up. And so the first question that we're going to get to today is what is a boundary? What is a boundary? And there on your outline, if you're following along or on the version app, you can pull it up. It's boundaries are basically property lines, property lines that define like what is my area and what is yours. If you've ever You've done a mortgage on a house or you've got refinanced it. Maybe you've seen one of these before. It's a survey. And what this is, you can go down and pull the plat at the, the Tarrant County office and you can see like the boundary lines and this is your house and, and this is mine. And so like I'm responsible for this right here and I'm in control of this area over here. And so, like, if, if one of your friends, like, that lives over here or in another apartment, it comes over and says, hey, you need to paint your whole place, like, hot pink. You're like, wait a minute, what? No, this is, I, I control this. This is my property line. This is my boundary. Our Heavenly Father has been about establishing boundaries throughout Scripture and throughout 
time. And one of the examples is back in the, the Old Testament when, when Moses led the, the Israelites out of captivity. They get to the promised land, and then God is going to give them an inheritance. And there's 12 tribes, and he says, I'm going to split up this land based on the size of your family. Listen to what he says here in Deuteronomy chapter 32. When the Most High gave the nations their inheritance, when he divided all mankind, he set up boundaries for the peoples according to the number of the sons of Israel. So he established property lines, boundaries between the, the nations and so between the, the people. And so property lines, what are, why do we need these? It's, it's to, 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 to draw a line between what you're responsible for and what I'm responsible for over here in my life. And when we live with these boundaries in our relationships with our children, with our friends, balance happens. And, and there's a beautiful thing that happens. But when these things get, get skewed, it can lead to problems and hurt feelings and, and, and misguided responsibilities. And so the, the key question I want us to look at here in the next few moments is this. Why are boundaries with our friends so important. Boundaries are, are kind of like a fence right here. Like that, that this fence on this side is mine and on that side is your yard over there. I want you to think about this for just a moment in your house. Let's say your next door neighbor has a big tree over there in their yard and for a couple of months you've noticed that, that, that something's going wrong with this tree like it's it's like it's looking bad it's starting to to dry up maybe it's like got a disease or there's some bore I don't know like there's it needs some water and you go to your friend and you say hey you know you need to take care of this tree address this thing that's in your yard you know I'm worried about this and they're like ah it's all right pretty soon the tree, it keeps going south, and then what happens? One day, it falls over. It, like, collapses onto your fence and into your yard. And so here's the truth about what boundaries, it's like things happen in people's lives. Sometimes we notice that, that, that their problem, that what they're dealing with goes south, and it collapses, and it falls into to my boundary. Have you ever had that happen? Like somebody else is going through something, and, and now it's like your problem has become my problem over here. Okay, so fences, it, it's, it's like we want to say stay on your side, keep your stuff over there. Uh, like I got to confess something that I've done this summer, and maybe y'all have done this thing too with your neighbors. Like have you ever, like their tree is growing, and so you kind of trim it back. You're like, hey, stay on your side over there. I'm sorry. I had to, like, just get that off my chest real quick. So, boundaries, they define our, our limits. And why do we need these with our friends? It's because of this. We only have so much resources, so much time, and so much money and energy that we can, we can give out. And the book of Proverbs in the Old Testament, it's a great book filled with all kinds of wisdom. And, it, and there's so much to be said about friendships and relationships in here. Maybe I want to challenge you, if you haven't been into a devotional series lately or you don't know where to start reading the Bible, that the book of Proverbs is a great place for you to jump in. There's 31 chapters, and so you can take a chapter a day. Maybe you read half of it in the morning when you start out your day and then come home and you finish it. And, and you're going to find that as you do this each day, wow, the, the wisdom of God will begin to come alive in your heart. And I just want to encourage you to do that. Listen to what 
Proverbs 13, 20 says about the people that we surround ourselves with in our lives. It says, walk with the wise and become wise, for a companion of fools suffers harm. Surround yourself with, with good people, with wise people, if you want to be wise. God has designed us to, to live in community and to have people around us and, and that, that help us out on this journey. Not long ago, some researchers were studying this, and they, they were in a lab, and they took this monkey, and they put him, this monkey in a cage, and they wanted to test something, and they, they, they wanted to stress him out as much as they could. They started, like, playing all this loud music and slamming pots and pans and cymbals and stuff and just causing this stressful environment around this monkey. Then they did a blood test, and they found that his cortisol, the stress hormone in his body, was skyrocketed. Then they stopped the, the test and they went over here and they got one of another monkey that he usually hangs out with in, in this other cage and they brought this other one and they put it in this cage. Then they redid the experiment and they amped up the stress again. And then after an hour, they tested the first monkey's blood again and guess what? The cortisol level was cut in half, 50%. It was, they found like that just having another friend in there with them, another person, monkey in there, helped him to be able to deal with the stress. And isn't that how it is in our life? We have people that come alongside of us that help walk with us in this world. Friends, they're great to have, but many times in our life that, that sometimes friends can, can push us and take advantage of us in some ways. You know, like they're always like, hey man, I'm short like this. Can you, can you come through over here? Or I need like a, a ride to, to work, not just today, but like every day for the next month. You know, it's like, wait a minute here. Like, what's going on? Like, you, you got to deal with, with, with your boundary over there, with what's going on. And, and, and so that we need these boundaries. But then here's the question that we come to today is, is why do we struggle sometimes to set boundaries with our friends? Why is this such a struggle? A couple of reasons that come to mind is the first one is this, is that we fear a loss of friendship. Like if I, if I set a boundary, if I tell you no, that I have this fear that you're going to abandon me, like that, that you're not going to like me anymore. And so that I, I, I will just put myself in a bind and, and rather than like have the courage to say something, I, I take your problem on over here. I want to ask you something this morning to think about and ponder for just a minute, which I'm calling the misery question. And like, what is this misery question? It's a question that you would ask yourself that it might cause you to feel something that would lead you to a change in your life. Listen to the question. It's this. Was there some time in the last 30 days when you said yes, when you should have said no? And what did that cost you? Like with a friend, like it, there was, was there something when somebody asked you to go and, and do something that you felt like your first in, initial reaction was to say no, but you're like, ugh, and so you did it. And so what did it cost you? And, and many times as Christians, we, we get in the, uh, like confused here because you're like, aren't I supposed to just be giving and like so, and then just give all of every, and like, and just serve every person and just give away. And like, if I say no, am I being selfish? What I believe God wants us to do today is to say, hey, we need to change this S word. And, and realize when we say, no, we're not being selfish, we're being a steward. That we only have so many resources. And so 
I've got to have the courage to say no. The second thing that while we fear putting up boundaries many times is because we have a fear of conflict. Do we have any, any conflict avoidancers in here? In, like you're like, okay, I'm with you, man. I, you know, like I want to please people and like uh, I don't want to have conflicts around me. And, and so here's this, this fear says that if I say no, like you're going to get mad at me and like you're gonna you're gonna be angry uh and i don't want that i just want peace and harmony all around me and so here's the deal like when we when we do this when when somebody we say no and then somebody throws a fit and they get mad it trains them that they can just keep doing that over and over and they'll get the result they want because hey if i if i do this then he's gonna cave in and and do this and so we say ah i don't want to just that be living in the fear of conflict all the time. How can I, can I deal with this? And see, realize that Jesus, he was surrounded by conflict a lot. Wasn't it? He had the ability to say no. Like, you're like, well, he was, he was Jesus. I'm not. But here's the thing. The truth is that his power lives inside of you right now. And he's, he's empowering you and equipping you to have the courage to say to that person, you know what? I'm going to have to say no on this one. And we're going to get through this. And we're not going to have a tantrum about this today. We're going to go on because mature people, they understand how to cope with the word no. Think about it. Mature people, they get told no. You get told no out there and you're like, okay. And you find another way. The third struggle that we often face is this, a fear of guilt. Like, I don't want to put a boundary up because I might like, uh, I feel guilty that I'm quelling your excitement or or I'm going to step on your enthusiasm. You know, like a lot of people, like some people don't even care. They're like, I don't care what they think. But there are some people that really struggle with this. They, they, they think, man, I'm, I don't want to damage them emotionally. If I say, if I speak up my mind, if I'm assertive, like, ugh. But here's what the problem with that is, is that we've confused these two words. The word hurt and the word harm think about this for a moment I, I, my tooth was aching a couple months ago and i went to my dentist he's like you got a cavity man he's like we're gonna get you fixed up i lean back he pulls out that big needle about like that to put the novocaine in there ah like he hurt me but did he harm me no he said i'm gonna hurt you to be able to set it up so that i can help you and here's the truth is, as Christians, that, that God says that there are times, believe it or not, when we speak the truth in love and it's not always going to feel good. There's come some time when the Holy Spirit gives us wisdom that, that I need to, to say a word to you as my friend that might sting and it might hurt you just a little bit. That, hey, you know what? Your attitude was, it was hurtful to me or what you said, like that was not encouraging and, and you didn't, you promised this over here and you didn't come through for me. And it stings when we hear that kind of stuff. Have you ever had that where somebody was honest and it's like, oh, like, uh, but it's the way we grow as Christians. As, as we sharpen each other, the Bible says that iron sharpens iron, and so one man sharpens another. And so as we, as we live with confidence and courage that we can speak the truth in love, we're going to grow together. The Old Testament word for trust it's this concept, it's, that it's this, that, that I don't have to, to be 
so worried that I can live without care. Trust in the Old Testament means I can live without care, that I don't have to edit everything that I say to you. I can say without care that I can trust that we're going to remain friends, that I can, I can lean into you and I can be with you and I can relax. And that goes both ways in a Christian friendship. And so I want you to ask yourself today in, in my friends, do I have people surrounding me that are pointing me to, to Christ? Or do I have people that are, that are dragging me away in another direction? Do I have people that are, that are draining me spiritually? Look at this question. How do we maximize the gain people and minimize the drain of people? You know, in my life, that'd be great if I could get rid of all the people that are draining me. You know, here's what I'll do. I'll just, I'll just set up like impossible boundaries all around me, like uh, fences. I won't let anybody in. That's what we, you know, that would be one way, but we can't do that. We've got to live in community, and God calls us to, to, to be friends with people. So we say then, okay, if I've, if I've got to live in community, how can I maximize the gain and minimize the, the drain people? In the Old Testament, there's a character you probably know well if you've been around church for a while, and if you haven't, maybe you heard the old cliche, they've got the patience of Job, yes. Like here's Job in the Old Testament. He goes through some incredible hardship and suffering. Let's get a little backstory here. Is Job, he's a man after God's heart. He's wanting to, 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 to pursue and to please God. And the devil one day then goes to God and says, I want to sift Job. I want to put him through and test him to see if he'll remain faithful to you. And so God said, okay, give it a shot. So Job, he's a wealthy man, but he begins to lose it all. His barns are, are burning down. His cattle is being slaughtered. His children were slaughtered. Everything was going south. He he's becomes afflicted with all these boils, and he's laying there in his misery. And, and everybody around him thinks that it's his fault. They say, like, dude, what did you do wrong that God would be punishing you so roughly right here? Like, what, what's going on? And, and Job, he He's confused, and even his wife says, curse God and die. When we get into the book of Job, most of the book deals with this conversation he has with three of his closest friends. They come, and they, they're trying to figure out what's going on with him, and they start trying to give him all this feedback and advice, and it's not going well. And instead of being a gain, they become a drain on him, and they lead him to a point of discouragement. Let's listen to what Job, how he describes them in chapter 6. He says, anyone who withholds kindness from a friend forsakes the fear of the Almighty. But my brothers are as undependable as intermittent streams, as the streams that overflow when darkened by thawing ice and swollen with melting snow, but that stop flowing in the dry season and then the heat vanish from their channels. What's he saying about his friends? First of all, he's saying that they're withholding their kindness. You know, friends are supposed to be kind with each other. Then he says they're, they're undependable, like a, like a mirage in the desert. Like you think, oh, man, I've got refreshment coming. And as you get, and it just evaporates. And so they're undependable. And he's craving, he's craving empathy. But they're so focused on themselves. If you were to read this chapter and listen to how Job ends here, he says, to his friends, but now be so kind as to look at me. Would I lie to your face? He's like, come on, guys, you all know me. 
You're like, be, be my friend. When I, when I lie to you, I haven't done anything wrong. Relent. Do not be unjust. Reconsider, for my integrity is at stake. He needed his friends to come and give him encouragement, but they were just draining him. How can we get people around us that are going to be gain and not drain? Henry Cloud and John Townsend, who wrote the book Boundaries, they, they say this is what we need in our lives to help maximize the gain is we need a healthy life team around us. A life team is made up of, they say, three to five people that are in your inner circle. Maybe you've got them on your phone, like on your favorites. Like you know if it, at two in the morning, if, if something happens, like you can call them at any time and they'll be there. If you're in the hospital, they're, they're gonna come up there. They are your closest inner circle life team. It's a person that you can vent to. The other day, I was like kind of getting like a little irritated about some stuff and like, oh, you know how it is. You just get, you know, I want you to talk to somebody. I know most people out there think that us pastors and staff were just up here at the church all week reading the Bible, praying, singing hymns in here, you know. Like, all's good, with the, but, you know, we deal with people, and so things get frustrating sometimes. And so I called up a friend. I said, I just need your ear. I need to, to let off some steam. And they're like, and this person's like, you know what? I don't have any great wisdom or anything to tell you right now. I was like, hey, I don't need that. Would you just let me, you know, it's so great to vent sometimes and just let it off the steam. And a Christian brother or sister will come alongside, and they have the, the maturity to be your life team, and they don't have answers, but they can listen to you. They can pray with you. Listen to what Proverbs, how it describes these kind of friends. Perfume and incense bring joy to the heart, and the pleasantness of a friend springs from their heartfelt advice. A life team. Do you have people around you that can speak encouragement and help you, that you can vent to? that understand that there's a difference between love and boundaries. Let me explain this on your notes there. You might see two, there's two dots and then there's like an arrow and a little blank. And on the top one, I want you to, to just draw a solid line across there, just a solid straight arrow line. And this was gonna, is gonna represent our love. Like we say, hey, as your friend, as your parent, I love you and that's never gonna change. And the bottom line underneath there, I want you to draw a line that has dashes. And this is what you, when you say yes is a line. And then when you say no, it might be a space. And then you got a yes and then a no. And so you're saying that even though I say yes and I say no, that my love is always constant. See, there's some people that, that, that equate like, hey, when you set up a boundary, you don't love me anymore. And you're saying no. And your friend, your life team says, no, I know when you have to tell me no that your love is solid. It's never going to go anywhere. Who should I surround myself with is my friends, my life team. Let's look at three basic elements of true friendship. Proverbs 27 says this, better is open rebuke than hidden love. Wounds from a friend can be trusted but an enemy multiplies kisses. True friendship has some components to it, whether they're a friend at church, on your neighborhood, at your work. And the first one is this, is there's an element of knowing. An element of knowing. Pe people who are good friends, they know each other on a personal 
level. You know my likes, my dislikes, my, my hurts. You know the dreams that I have for my life because I've told you about them. You know my vulnerabilities. You know the status of, the, of my relationship. Beliefs. And, and here's the deal. Like if I go to, out to lunch with you, and then you get up for a minute to, to leave the table and the server comes to take an order. I go, hey, they don't want the blue cheese, okay? You got bring the Thousand Island because that's what they like and put it on the side. See, they, a friend, they, they, we know each other and we're invested in each other's life. A knowing friend doesn't offer just sympathy for you. Sympathy says, hey, I hurt for you. Empathy says, I am going to hurt what with you. A friend that is a knower is a friend that is empathetic and says, I'm with you in the foxholes of life. Several years ago, I went through a time in my life that seemed like a dark desert spiritually. Maybe you've been there before and you're just discouraged. And I felt like friends that I had around me kind of deserted me and there was this one man in Mansfield and I'm going to call him Morris and he was kind of like a father figure to me but like he loved Clive Cussler the author maybe you've read his books like he would bring me the Clive and like we could talk about him and it was just great and and so one day I'm just down and I'm at work and I'm working in a bank and I'm just depressed and I look up and Morris comes into the the branch, and he's like, hey, man, I've been thinking about you. I've missed seeing you. How you doing? I've been thinking. He goes, I want to invite you to this men's Bible study. I think you really need it uh, this week. And I said, okay, like, thank you for reaching out to me, man. When is it? He goes, 6.30 a.m. at the country club. I'm like, what? 6.30? Like, is God even awake at that point? Like, okay, I'm going to go. So I went, and it was incredible. I met some men got some new friends, like here's Morris, a guy that knew my situation. He came and he, he reached out to me. The next element of true friendship is a, that there's a liking, a liking between two friends, that you want to spend each time with each other. I wanna know what's going on and you wanna know what's going on in me because we bring out the best in each other. I love this quote that Henry Ford says. He says this, my best friend, is the one who brings out the what? The best in me. Are your friends pointing you to Christ and bringing out the best in you? The last element of a great friendship is this, is presence. That true friends enjoy spending time together. It could be a lunch, it could be a walk, it could be a bike ride. We're spending time together. It could be that I'm in the hospital at my worst and this friend just sitting there as a presence, not even having to say anything, but Excuse me, they're just there with me. Presence. I love this old cliche. You might have heard this before, that love is spelled T-I-M-E. Love is spelled T-I-M-E. It's like we express our love when we spend time with people and with our friends. And so here it is that, that we are in each other's presence. As we land this sermon this morning you know the one of the truths is, is that friendships can get messy sometimes that there's a, a, that there's space for risk in a friendship 
that sometimes we're not always going to get it right. And even as pastors, like we might let you down, like you didn't return my call like in a prompt manner. You didn't, you didn't like consider my idea over someone else's. And so we, we let each other down. And, and sometimes you're going to let people down around you. But here's the great news is that these are opportunities and moments for grace to be on display in our lives. Rather than just talking about grace, this is where I can say, you know what, you have let me down. You crossed my boundary, but you know what, I'm going to forgive you, and I need you to forgive me, and let's go forward in a brand new way right now. Jesus lived that out. Jesus lived out that example, and here's what the Bible says about him, is that that we have a friend that sticks closer than a brother, and that's Jesus. And his love for you has no limits. In John chapter 15, Jesus is talking to his followers, and he says this incredible verse, greater love has no one than this than to lay down one's life for one's friends. A couple of chapters before he said that, he's with his disciples at the, they're about to do the, the Lord's Supper and he washes his disciples' feet. And the Bible says in chapter 13 that he took off his outer garment, his outer cloak and robe, and it said he laid it down. It's the same Greek word used here in this chapter that Jesus was foreshadowing. He was gonna lay it down, that he was gonna lay down his life. No one takes it from me. I lay it down willingly. Why? Because I love you and because you need it and you can't help yourself. And so you are my friends and I'm gonna lay down my life for you. Wow. In our culture that we live in today, it seems like that you've arrived when you move to a gated community. And like you can just keep everybody out and just keep isolated to yourself. A boundary. But Jesus today, he says in John chapter 10, he says, I am the gate. I have come to break down the wall of hostility that has stood between you and your God, and I am the gate, and I have opened the way for you to eternal life. And he invites you today to step in. He says, come across the boundary and into salvation and into green pastures with me, I'm calling you. Many of you have been baptized into the family of God years ago, but there's some today that I believe that the Holy Spirit has been stirring in you and he's calling you and he's challenging you to, to take a step of faith and to say, Lord, I wanna respond and I wanna to reach out and grasp a hold of salvation in you, Jesus Christ. He's calling you today. How will you respond? Will you reach out your hands and, and take hold of his? Take hold of the hands of the greatest friend you will ever meet. What a friend we have in Jesus. To God be the glory. Amen.